so mad about it last. He got the text. He was so excited. He ran over here and we came to look at it. And then he turned to me. You get to preach on it first. It was so fun. It was so dramatic. So, uh, but I am, I am excited. I'm excited that he's letting me preach again. Um, uh, I really do think he just really likes leading worship and, and he does a great job. So thanks for doing that. Um, yeah, and also he mentioned the youth room. Yeah, give it up for Brent. Also continue to give it up because he did put a lot of work into our youth space. I always point in the wrong direction. It's somewhere over there. Um, I don't know where it is. But so if you came in and you helped paint or build or, you know, tear S video cables out of the wall, like we haven't used those in 30 years. So I don't know why. So uh, thank you for all your help. If you want to go see it, you're welcome to go poke your head in. Um, I think it looks great and we're still going to put some work in. So. Uh, but let's uh, dive in to God's word today. If you'd open to Acts chapter 8, we'll get there, I promise. I'll, I'll preface it with that. Um, but before we start, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for a new morning, a new reminder that we have new life in you, Father, that you are the giver of good gifts and that today is one of those gifts. So God, open our hearts, open our ears, make us receptive to your word. Father, give me peace. And Father, let it be your words, not my own, uh, that I speak this morning. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. amen. So in, in story, I love, I love movies, I love books, I love stories. So in storytelling, there's this, there's this idea or there's this um, adage, show, don't tell. Right, so like in Jurassic Park, uh, they don't just tell you like there's dinosaurs coming. They they show you that glass of water and it ripples and you know like something's something's coming. Show, don't tell. Now there's a reverse, really bad version of this of of telling, not showing. Who's read or knows the story of Robinson Crusoe? Raise your hand. Yeah. So if you don't know the story of Robinson Crusoe, you're about to because here's the full title of the book. I kid you not. The life and strange surprising adventure of Robinson Crusoe of York Mariner, who lived eight and twenty years all alone in an uninhabited island on the coast of America near the mouth of the great river Oronoc, having been cast on shore by shipwreck wherein all the men perished but himself with an account how he was at last as strangely delivered by pirates. That's the whole book. Like, I don't have to read it. I know, I know he gets shipwrecked. I know he lives for 28 years. And I know he gets saved by pirates. Why would I ever go read this book? But the best example of the opposite of this is Indiana Jones. So in the first five minutes of Indiana Jones, there's no dialogue. You just see this guy, and he's like crawling through the jungle. There's these people following him. You're like, that dude's the leader. I know that guy. So he's crawling through. And then there's like this dart, and he pulls it out of a tree. And he touches it, and he licks it, and then he spits. You're like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's, he's traveled. He, he knows. And so keeps going, keeps going. Uh, then this guy, he finds a stone, and it's shaped like a, like a scary face. And he gets scared, and he runs away. And then our leader, he goes up, and he sees it, and he's like, hey. And he keeps going. You know, it just, like, doesn't phase him. So we know this guy's cool. We know he's collected. Uh, then someone's, like, trying to shoot him in the back, and he, like, just turns around and whips him. So you know, he's like, okay, he's not going to kill that guy, but he's not taking anyone's, he's not taking anyone's stuff. You know everything you need to know about Indiana Jones with no dialogue. They didn't have to tell you a word. They just show you. 
So that's how God must have programmed our brains to see things. We want to experience things, not just be told things. It's how we grow in community and empathy. And the same thing is true when it comes to our faith. It's one thing to tell someone or to talk about it, but it's another thing to show them, to invite someone into your experience with Jesus and not just say, hey, I I know this to be true, but to show them with actions. So that is why God has given us the ordinance of baptism, which is going to be our main topic of today. Because when we are baptized, we are doing more than just telling people that we are followers of Jesus. We are showing them. We are taking a step a physical step into the new life uh, with Jesus Christ. It's funny that Brent talked about, uh, you know, standing on, you know, the shoulders of people past because that's exactly what baptism is. It links us to the ancient church all the way back to Christ and his disciples. We align ourselves with all of our fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus as obedient servants of Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going we're gonna to answer some basic questions about baptism, what it is, who it's for, and why we celebrate it. But, but this is really the, the main thing that I want you to know. Baptism is a sacrament given by God to his people declaring their death and resurrection in Christ. Their death and resurrection in Christ. So first we, we have to ask ourselves, what is baptism? Maybe you're in here and you don't, you don't know what that is. I think a lot of times we as Christians, we see it happen. We're like, oh, that looks fun. It's kind of odd. Like they get wet. They wear those robes or maybe t-shirts. Um, it's like, that's kind, of, that's kind of interesting. So, but baptism is a sacrament, first and foremost. That's, that's not a word we use often, it's sacrament. So uh, let's kind of unpack what that means. So a sacrament is just a material sign that points to the reality of God's promises. Material sign that points to the reality of God's promises. Another one of these uh, sacraments is the Lord's Supper. And it does the same thing, right? Shows us the promise of the death and resurrection in Christ and they've done it all the way back to the ancient church. So two sacraments, baptism uh, and the Lord's Supper. But another word you may have heard is, is ordinance, uh, which is one we use in our Southern Baptist circle more often, that baptism is an ordinance, which just means it was ordained by Christ in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a direct command given by Jesus uh, in this passage. Now, that does not make baptism an essential step to salvation, but it does make it an active step of obedience. So baptism is is a symbol above all things. It's an important symbol, but not an essential symbol. Important, not essential. That's key. So now diving into our text, we see many accounts of believers being baptized all through through Scripture. Um, Acts, particularly, is, is, is uh, the, one of the key themes of Acts is baptism. Uh, and it's always by immersion, uh, not in an effort. Uh, the, the, the people that are being baptized, they don't do this to get themselves saved, but they do it as a response to God working and changing their hearts in their lives. So the method is always immersion. When Mark, or in Mark, when John the Baptist is baptizing, he's in the river, baptizing into the river. Uh, when Philip and the, and the Ethiopian eunuch, they're, they're going down the road. Uh, they, don't, they don't baptize by sprinkling or pouring right then. They wait until there's a sizable body of water, and they go and they baptize in there. Now, and even the word for baptize is baptizo, which is sometimes translated overwhelmed, surrounded, or immersed. So it's critical that baptism is by immersion, not just for literal translations of Greek words, but because, uh, as we see, the key symbolism of baptism 
hinges on full immersion. Every sign and, and image that we're communicating when we are baptized is, it hinges. It's critical that we go underneath the water and we come back up. And that's important. We'll see that as, as we go later on. But, but the biggest question when it comes to baptism is, is who's it for? There's lots of disagreement about who's it for. But I, uh, I think it's, scripture is pretty clear. Um, so let's read right here, Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 16. So uh, we've got Simon the magician. Interesting passage in the Bible, right? This is magic. And so he is doing these magic tricks. I'm going to pick up here in 9. So there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. And they all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And then this next story we see, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent, them, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but, as they, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That seems a little confusing, right? But I think it's important that these two stories are paired together. Uh, the, these are, are two sort of sides of the same coin that tell us the proper order of belief and baptism and who is to be baptized. So we get two kind of different events. So the first, the first story, we, we see Simon and all these people are watching him, and Philip rolls up, and he is uh, preaching the good news, and those people no longer believe in the power of Simon the magician. They now believe the gospel of Jesus Christ in Philip, and then they are baptized. They heard, they believed, then they were baptized. That's the order. Belief, hearing the good news, belief in the good news, baptism. But the converse story is a little more complicated, a little more, a little more odd. So you have these people from Samaria, and uh, it said they have received the word of God. And so Peter and John go to them from Jerusalem, and they say that the Holy Spirit has not come upon them, and that they have only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's really interesting, right? So the key word, I think, here is only. So they did not believe the gospel. They were not filled with the Holy Spirit. They had only been baptized, and the action of baptism has no saving power in itself. Baptism without faith and the working of the Holy Spirit is just a quick and really ineffective bath. There's no meaning there's no power, but baptism is a step of obedience for those who have given a believable profession of faith. So just because someone is baptized does not mean they are saved. Uh, just because someone is not baptized it does not mean they are not saved. Peter and John uh, didn't believe in this text that uh, you were saved by baptism, so neither should we. We should trust Peter and John. So and I know that there are you know, specific examples. There are complicated examples uh, in real life. I was sprinkled as a baby. I was poured you know, in this church or that church. Um, and, and we need to apply wisdom to those cases because uh, we can look at them and, and 
they can have different answers. But, but the truth of baptism is this, is the general truth. Baptism is for those who have given a believable profession of faith in Jesus Christ. That's who it's for. So, baptism is a sacrament ordained by Jesus in which believers are immersed underwater and raised again. It's not essential. It does not grant us any grace. It does not give us anything. Only Christ can give us grace. But they are signs that we partake in as followers of Jesus Christ. And baptism is the first symbol our first step as regenerated in Jesus. But that begs the question, what are the symbols that we are giving? What about baptism tells us about the gospel? So I've, I, I, there are three aspects that I've pulled out that I think uh, baptism symbolizes. I, I call them threads. There are three threads we see in the gospel mosaic in baptism. So they're this, three threads. We see God's justice. We see our own brokenness, and we see death and new life in Christ. So one, God's justice. Second, our own brokenness. And third, death and new life in Christ. So let's, let's start with the first one, God's justice. Now, um, we don't think about judgment a lot uh, when we baptize. But think about, think about stories from the Old Testament. Noah built an ark to escape the floodwaters of God's judgment. God put judgment over the whole earth, and the way he, he cast out his judgment was by water. Or you think about uh, the Egyptians uh, during the Exodus, uh, the, the, the Red Sea is split, the Israelites go through, and the Egyptians who have been persecuting and, and owning these people, the slaves committing a grievous sin, are walking through, chasing God's people, and, and the sea collapses in on itself, and they are destroyed by the judgment of God's waters. And that is because God is righteous. He is just. Everything that is bad and evil, all of the evil that we've been seeing going on in our world will be answered for because God is a good judge. The waters of justice will flow. Amen is right. But it's also scary. Because God is a good judge and we are all guilty. There's no escape from God's righteous judgment on our own. Sin must be paid for, and sin has to be paid for with life because the wages of sin is death. So when we go under the water in baptism, we are trusting in God's perfect judgment. The waters of baptism are the same waters of the flood and of the, the Red Sea that killed the Egyptians. If we died in the water of our baptism, God would still be just. But we're not putting our faith in the power of the water. We're putting our faith and the hope and the saving power of Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus paying our own debt and taking our place and giving us his righteousness, we could never escape the waters of God's wrath. But when we are baptized, though we deserve death in the water of judgment because of Christ, we emerge with life. Do you see that? When someone stands up in this right here, that when they go under, they deserve God's wrath, God's judgment. But when they come up, they have new life. And that's why we celebrate it. 
We're not seeing just something happen, some sort of random thing going on up there. No, there is importance. There is weight. So we, as a church, we're seeing a new brother or a new sister coming into our family and declaring, I no longer have my sin counted against me. There is no contempt between me and the Father. I have entered new life, and Jesus is my king. Do we celebrate it enough? Shouldn't we be standing up in our chairs and clapping and hooping and hollering like the Bengals just scored a touchdown? Yes, we should. It's not a golf tournament. Tiger Woods didn't just birdie putt something. We don't just... No, no. When someone enters the family of God, we should say, Amen, praise God, I have a new sibling and they are free. It can never be boring. The gospel can never be routine. And when someone goes under that water and comes back up, it's only by the grace of God that they have been saved. They've been made new in front of our very eyes. And it is worth celebrating. So remember that. The next time someone is up in that booth, baptistry, it's worth celebrating. And we should celebrate accordingly. Second thread. The cleansing of our own sin. So we, uh, we are baptized. It's a symbol of God's righteous judgment. We're also baptized to symbolize the cleansing of our own sin. So if you flip over a couple pages to Acts 22, 16. I say a couple of pages, quite a few pages. We'll get there. So we see the conversion of, of Saul into Paul. We know that story. The light hits him. He's converted on the road to Damascus, and he goes and he talks to Ananias. And what Ananias says is, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. So certainly the, the imagery of washing away our sins is, is bad, in baptism is good. It's scriptural. But to be clear, baptism does not actually wash anything away. The water is actually particularly gross, usually. But it's the imagery that we're searching for. And, and a lot of times, I think this is the most prevalent image in our culture as we think about, uh, you know, water washes. So we'll go under the water and it'll wash away our sin. It's the most prevalent. And, and, that, and that's okay because it's true. Um, but I think sometimes it, it colors a, a misunderstanding that we have about baptism. So my, my dad would do this thing to me when we would go swimming. And he would baptize me. Maybe this happened to you. And, you know, he'd, like, grab me and push me under the water and, like, hold me until I was, like, scared. And I'm, like, hold on. And he pulled me up, and he'd say, had to get all that sin out. <laughs> Took a while. Maybe we need to go around, too. So, so it was scary. It was funny. It was a joke. But I think sometimes we can have that same point of view when it comes to baptism. So you come to Jesus. He regenerates your heart. You are baptized in front of your church as a public display. But then life hits you. Maybe you make some mistakes, you, you fall away, you fail God in many, many ways, but then your eyes are open to your sin, you see how broken and far from God you really are, and I think a lot of times we think, maybe I need to be baptized again. I would caution you against that kind of thinking, because baptism is not a save point in video games, students. It's not a time to say, hey, we'll just go back to that point. It's not a chance to start over. 
It's the mark of a new beginning. The journey starts there. There's no going back to that moment. When we repeatedly go to the waters of baptism to cleanse ourselves of our sin, we not only diminish the symbol of baptism itself, but we also diminish the saving work of Jesus on the cross because that's what saved you, not the baptism. So there's no need to repeatedly go to wash away your sin over and over because Jesus took the entirety of your sin on the cross. And when we really believe that, And rest in that truth. There is no need to think, maybe I should be baptized again. So we image the judgment of God's righteousness, and we we image our salvation, our, our washing, our cleansing of our sin. But I think the most important and the most vivid imagery that we show in baptism is about life and death. So flip over to Romans chapter 6. Again, just a couple pages. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Now, sidebar. I didn't write this down, but I think it's important. Um, Paul is speaking to people who are already baptized. And he says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Do you not know that? I think it's an important distinction because he's saying, there's something about your baptism you did not know. But does that make their baptism void? No. We're not saying you have to know all the knowledge of God. You have to have all the theology lessons done before you're baptized. Paul is still teaching people who have been baptized about their baptism. That is okay. We are allowed to learn and grow from our baptism. We don't need to know everything for that moment. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. This this is the most important image, the most important message that baptism conveys, and, and it conveys two things, one about ourselves and one about Christ. It shows the power of of life in Jesus Christ, that we die to ourselves. It shows our humility and our submission to Christ. But it's not just, it's not just us saying, uh, following in the footsteps of Jesus and saying, well, well, Jesus did it, so I should probably do it too, right? That's a shallow understanding of the deep, deep ocean of God's grace in this sacrament. So what we want to communicate when we are baptized, is that each and every baptism in our church is that Christ died for me and I have died to Christ. Our baptism is the acceptance of Christ's death on our own. We deserve the punishment he took, but because he paid it all, I will give him my all. My whole self, my whole identity, every fiber and aspect of my being is put to death and my new purpose, my new identity is Jesus. Baptism is the stamp on your ID card that says child of God. But even more than that, it is outwardly showing your belief in a coming resurrection. You're putting on display your full faith in every promise of God, not just the newness of yourself and your own soul, but the newness of all of creation. You say, Jesus, I believe that you will make all things new. Do you realize that if you're in Christ and you're baptized, the moment 
you were under that water is hopefully the closest to death that you will ever be. If you were in Christ, this moment where you were underwater and you can't breathe and you're at someone else's mercy, that is the closest you'll ever be to death. Because when that moment comes, and the last time you close your eyes, you will not be dead. You will be alive in Christ. We are putting our whole being into the will of the Father. We're saying that no matter how hard life gets, what troubles are thrown my way, what family problems or health problems, even death itself will not compare to the promise of your newness and your new creation. We can walk in the newness of life because we trust that the Father has had us in his hand and that nothing, not a single thing, can take us from his hand. So three, three threads, God's judgment and our escape from it, the washing away of our sins and our death to Christ through death in Christ. So maybe you're here this morning and, and you've already been baptized. You're like, Ryan, yeah, I get it. You just told me not to do it again, so what? I hope that you see now the fullness of the beauty of the gospel that is on display each and every time we practice the sacrament. It's never boring. It's never routine. And I hope that we can now celebrate in accordance with the importance of the symbols that are being broadcast from right up there. All those things, all those stories about who God is and what he's done, not just in our personal lives, but in all of creation are on display every time someone is in that booth. But if you've never been baptized today, maybe it's the day you decide to step out in obedience, to show your church and to show the world your true identity as a follower of Jesus. It's not time for Clark Kent. No more secret identity, right? Take the glasses off. Show us your new identity of Superman, child of God. No matter how young or old, no matter your story, we all want to celebrate that moment with you. We want to see you, image you're raising in newness, and we want to celebrate you as our brother or as our sister, and we want to tell you, welcome home. I love you. Finally, if you don't know Christ, I pray that this would be the morning in your story that God brings you close to himself, that you see that you are broken and unable to make it in this world by yourself and that there is a better way. I pray that God would change your story today, that that would be the turn. This morning, God's not going to change your story through baptism. That's not how he works, but he will change your heart because the story of the gospel is on full display when we are baptized in Christ. From beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning of creation to end of creation, the story of, gospel, the, story of the gospel is on display in baptism. Baptism communicates God's justice, our brokenness, Christ's sufficiency in an instant. Just like that. So you don't have to read this obnoxiously long title to know the story like Robinson Crusoe. Baptism shows us, it doesn't tell us. It shows us with one action in baptism and three words. Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Father God, you are good to us. In your plan for all of the world, you thought of the most minute details. You gave us images and sacraments and ordinances to remind us of your grace 
all throughout our lives. So God, we thank you for baptism. We thank you for the Lord's Supper. We thank you for those things where we can see and taste and know and experience that you are good. You did not have to give us those things, but you did. So God, remind us of your beauty through baptism. The next time we see it, remind us of the power that those images have, the story that is on display. God, I pray if there's anyone here that is far from you, that you will make them near. You will save them. You will turn their hearts. Give them a new heart. Only you are able to do that. God, I pray if anyone is scared or anxious or nervous about coming and being baptized and showing this church their true identity as a child of God, that you will give them peace, give them comfort, give them boldness to step out in obedience. Because we want to celebrate with them, Father. God, thank you that you are just. We praise you because you are righteous. We praise you because you have taken all of our sin. Your son, Jesus, on the cross. That all we must do to come to know him and believe in him and say he is my king and we are saved for eternity. So Father God, I pray that the beauty of that story is made known today. God, we love you. We're not very good at it. So help us get better. All God's people said. Amen. If you need to pray with someone, we'll have deacons over here at the side. I'll be up here. Uh, at the front if you want to talk about baptism or following Jesus we'd love to do that after this song if, if you're a follower if you're a, if you're a guest want to talk to someone out there uh, Brent would love to do that I would love to do that so come find me but let's stand let's praise God how deep the Father's love for us how vast Beyond all 